Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 135 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Barney and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, huge congrats to last week's guest, Jonathan Trinard, for his brand new project. Um, and I'm going to read a tweet directly from The Hollywood Reporter. So film studio Epi Pictures is set to launch a gaming venture with a series of horror and suspense-themed playable trailers from independent developers. The Dread X collection will include 10 teasers conceived by indie developers in a game jam format and will be available on Steam later in April. And this includes Odd Breeze Studios, Angelo. That's amazing. So I guess when we asked him last week what was up, uh, what his next project was, he already kind of had this one in the bag, right? So he lied to us. He didn't lie to him. I don't think it was public knowledge. Good job keeping the NDA. Yeah, the NDA live, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Angelo, it must be a pandemic because uh, I did the unthinkable earlier this week and I messaged you and you were very concerned about me. I, I don't remember this because oh, you got masks. Was it that? No, no. I, I rejoined Facebook. Oh, yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me explain why I rejoined Facebook. I um, would be on my desktop computer and then I'd see something that I someone would ask about on Messenger because I only have I only had uh, Facebook Messenger on my phone. And so I would then email because sometimes AirDrop wasn't moving the link properly. So I then would have to email the link to myself to then open up on my phone to send to someone. Yeah, AirDrop won't work super well on your rickety old Mac. It it does normally for like other files, like photo files always works, but for some reason URLs and things like that, it's not always the case. Yeah, I think you have one of the first generation of Macs that started using AirDrop. You have a 2012? Right? Yes, correct. So basically I was emailing multiple links to myself every day and realizing that it was kind of dumb to do so. So I thought, I think I should probably just save myself this headache and rejoin. And how's that been? It's been good. I haven't been on it too much, to be honest with you. It's mostly to chat with others. I haven't actually looked at much. I also re- never realized how many like um, different pages for um, organizations, causes, uh, bands, and movies that I followed and liked um, until I got on there and I was like, I don't really care for any of this. And it kept all that information. I thought you deleted your file. No, I didn't delete it. Okay, you cl- I, okay so I deleted mine. You closed yours. I said what you did. Because well, right? you can't close it if you're on Messenger, right? Oh, yeah, and you had to keep Messenger, it's true. Yeah. So you, you did a more soft removal of yourself than I did. Yeah, exactly. I, I quietly backed away while you just you just drove off into the sunset. <laughs> off a cliff. Yeah. And uh, the weird thing, though, and, and I was messaging some friends about this, ironically enough, on Facebook, is that uh, throughout the last week, I've had people from like high school who've tried to add me, and that's like uh, 20 years ago almost at this point. Well, they're worrying. It's, it's, a, it's a troubled time. Yes, let's go with that. Um, you they know, want to keep tabs on you, make sure you're not sick, and come near them. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's been very weird. I had someone I hadn't spoken to in 10 years almost message me the other day, I think out of boredom. Oh, well, that's, that's weird. Uh, Facebook bringing us all together. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely going to, I've been limiting my time on there because I honestly just don't care all that much. And it's really just to keep in contact with people and send them information that they're looking for. How many times a week do you find yourself going on this new uh, iteration of Facebook for you? Once or twice a day. Oh, a day. Oh, boy. Well, because people are messaging me. Yeah, and they're going to be listening in. Soon you're going to be getting ads for things you talk about. Uh, that's fine. Mostly masks. Yes. Um, but yeah, I am okay with it now. Uh, we'll see how this goes. I really, uh, yeah, once again, like I'm using it as a messaging platform, not necessarily anything else. Well... It's a good way to keep in contact with people. I don't use Facebook at all. My wife actually uses it a lot lately to get news about the neighborhood because our neighborhood had its own has its own Facebook group. And I used to be on it and it was fine. Uh, my wife said it's mostly people complaining about the elementary school in the neighborhood, which is not the one my wife works at. It's a, it's a different school altogether, but right. it's uh, it's just people complaining. 
Yeah, I also similarly belong to um, a neighborhood organization, and there's a lot of action going on there. Um, so it's been kind of fun to watch that, and that's mainly one of the non-messaging things I'll look at is people um, either looking for uh, tools so that they can do home repairs or things like that. This week, um, she uh, showed me a video of our mayor letting people know that they shouldn't go out this uh, long weekend and not go and gather in different places. And the funny part is he was filming from a location that is actually off limits currently. So <laughs> he, there's a, a nice little trail path that's obviously not wide enough to give people the two meter berth you're supposed to need. Right. And he was on it filming, which I guess is the right thing to do because no one will show up in your shot. That is very true. Um, speaking about filming in your neighborhood, Angela, you sent me a uh, two photos that made me laugh the hardest I've probably ever laughed uh, at anything you've ever sent me. Basically, no context Spider-Man, which was amazing. You asked me to tweet it, which I wasn't going to because it was actually a nice gesture from our neighbor. So It was. It was very sweet. Our neighbor had his brother come by and bring some takeout to uh, his family. And his brother dressed up as Spider-Man. So this begs the question, he already owned a Spider-Man costume and is just like raring to go, do you think? And it was a really good Spider-Man costume. Well, that's what I'm asking you. Like he owned a Spider-Man costume then. I, I'm assuming he did. Right. I, so I, didn't ask, I didn't get into details about it. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, it was just, it was because it was so funny. You just sent me these two pictures and it was very confusing. One of them was Spider-Man getting into a car or coming out of a car. And then the other one was Spider-Man just walking up to, to a house. Yeah, so the first one uh, was him actually going back to the car. My wife was there before me and she got the picture of him going up to the house with the delivery. It's amazing. It's amazing. If you want to head over to Twitter, twitter.com slash Angelo Furin to see the, the, that picture of the second one. Yeah, it was retweeted a few times. Yeah, it was. It's like I was saying, it's probably your most successful tweet. Wow. Congratulations me. Yeah. I'm internet famous now. All those bucks coming in. The silver lining to this pandemic, of course, is that your social media presence has, has been heightened. Yeah. The thing is, is I'm realizing how much I hated Twitter. <laughs> Double density. Angelo, have you been doing more reading while you've been uh, indoors? I have. Uh, we have been reading books on iBooks. Actually, it's just called books right now. Yes. Uh, that, uh, it's, is it still? Yes. It's, so depending on your iPad. So if you have a newer version of iOS, it's books. But on older versions, yes. like my daughter has an old uh, iPad mini. And on that iPad, it's iBooks. But with iBooks or books, what's great with it is if I buy a book, it'll propagate to the rest of the family. So I can they can either get all my purchases. So I bought a book that we were, it's a series that we're both reading. So she's been reading a book on that. It's it's so easy to purchase books. It's also pretty easy to self-publish them, isn't it? It, it is. And I was about to say, Angela, you could buy books about white supremacy and, you know, really just uh, give that to your entire family if you want. Why would I want to do that? And how is that even possible? <laughs> so uh, I linked you earlier this week to a ProPublica, a long-form article about um, Amazon self-publishing uh, Kindle store. And basically, how it is a haven for white supremacists. <laughs> really, like Amazon does not care what's on there. And it's they, not just they, even from they a care. quality standpoint. They care based on copyright, right? So copyright infringement is their only kind of thing because it's easy to to sort of like scan for it, right? Yes, but... Uh, the content they don't care about that no no of course not it was uh an eye-opening though sadly not surprising thing where um you have to uh basically amazon has a manual review process for um sensitive books um or books that have been flagged but clearly uh, by and large i'd say like a lot of those books are just slipping through the cracks unless you actively um start a public campaign to get them off the platform jeff bezos is strange in these ways so he'll allow these types of horrible books to get on his self-publishing section of amazon but then he runs one of the more fact-based newspapers as well. So I, it's, it's really weird that he lets stuff like this slide. I guess uh, the 
the almighty dollar wins sometimes with him. Well, here's the more confusing thing, right? Is that he lets white supremacy onto Kindle, and as the article was pointing out, he there's no hardcore porn on Amazon, right? Yeah, which which one's better? <laughs> I, I know I, I have an opinion on that, but uh, yeah, uh, love is better than hate, Brian. Even yeah, if that I, love I, is, is <laughs> can be kind of gross sometimes. Uh, that's uh, that is a really good way of putting it, Angelo. Because yes, um, yeah, it seems like uh, I, I think you're right in that, like. Uh, his MO basically is uh, accumulating wealth, right? So letting these um, racists, like let's call them racists here, onto his platform uh, makes it easier for him to make a dollar no matter um, who gets offended or um, sad about things. How much money would he lose by shutting this down? Not, not think, the whole self-publishing, obviously, but shutting down uh, horrible things like this. So I think the bigger problem, though, is that it's not shutting it down or it's preventative in the future. You need to hire a larger amount of staff in order to screen things. Yeah, and he doesn't want to hire content gatekeepers. No, and that's the thing, too, is that the article is pointing out the fact that like he um, doesn't really do content. Is there a reason why he doesn't want to have people verify these things? I think it's efficiency. The thing is that you keep your margins lower if you allow this kind of product on there. And it probably sells, right? Like, I, I, as the article was pointing out, there are a number of authors there who make a living off of the Kindle store. And that's fine. It's great letting those people that have legitimate books with good messages or even stupid messages, but not racist messages. Uh, there needs to be something. I, I'm sure uh, they can develop an AI that would be able to find racist rhetoric in books and flag those to what like five people that they could hire yeah i think so too but once again i think that like the money being driven in is not insignificant um uh versus the backlash that uh, they're facing right now because it's not a huge backlash right so i think that like the the motive here is profit yeah right now nobody really cares about this there's worse things to worry about right now well, yes, there are worse things to worry about, but at the same time, like with more people home, there's a larger audience uh, looking for content and books. So uh, let's uh, sort of like move uh, from talking about this to coming back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Do you have a book recommendation? For right now? For right now, that's not racist. I actually have a great recommendation from a previous guest of the show, Dan Morin. It's a follow-up to the Byron Agenda. It's called The Aleph Extraction. I'm hoping I'm, I'm, hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's uh, coming out in May. I've actually already pre-ordered it on uh, books uh, from Apple, but you can get it through Kindle or actually get a physical copy. Although apparently uh, he's mentioned on Twitter that Amazon's having some issues. But uh, if you can, and he recommended this to me directly, that if you can support a local bookstore as much as possible. So are there any local bookstores that you can order from? I don't really, there aren't any real like small local bookstores around me other th that serve uh, books in English. It's mostly francophone books around here. So that's the problem for me, which is why I went via uh, iBooks. Right. Which is the lesser of two evils right now. I, yeah, I actually had asked him what's better for him. And he said either or is totally fine. Okay, perfect. Uh, on my end, uh, I got two books. Um, the first is Smash, Green Day, The Offspring, and Bad Religion, No Effects, and The 90s Punk Explosion by Ian Woodenwood. And I also read, because um, I seem to be reading a lot of musical books these days, so Goodnight LA by Kent Hartman, which is all about the, um, the rise and fall of classic rock in LA, um, sort of centered around the different recording studios that were out there. There must be some amazing stories around that. There's, there are Fleetwood Mac, Chicago, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was, they're pretty fun reads. Some good anecdotes for sure. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, uh, congrats on not listing off racist books, Angelo. Uh, yeah, no problem. Pretty easy <laughs> on my end to do that. <laughs> Same here. Do you want to talk about the uh, issue of the day? What, Google and Apple coming together to fight uh, a pandemic? Yes. Apple and Google are kind of coming together to see if they can 
help trace and track uh, COVID-19 using a uh, tracking data app. Uh, and they're going to use all kinds of different things on their phones, but mostly it's uh, using Bluetooth to make sure that, I guess people are going to self-report on this and they'll be tracked. Um, is this kind of uh, opening up a can of worms? It absolutely is. Uh, I find this very problematic for a couple of reasons. I, I think in this instance, there are no um, good pathways to dealing with something like this in terms of trying to both contain and eradicate um, uh, hot zones and things like that, unfortunately. Um, but I, I'm i very wary of letting those uh, uh, two companies onto my phone more than I already do. From what I understand, the Verge article that I will, we're going to link to mentions that they're going to have, right now, they're going to have a standalone app that most people will likely not install, but soon this will be in the OS. Which is a very problematic thing if that is one of your core functions is tracking people? Overt tracking, yes. I, I, I would normally trust Apple more with these things, but they seem to drop the ball on stuff like this sometimes where yeah. uh, it's not as secure as it should be. Well, they had problems with maps, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I want to make sure everybody's safe as much as possible. Uh, Brian, you actually live in a hot zone, so uh, it could be useful to you. <laughs> uh, uh, so technically, yes, but I actually don't live in a hot zone. No, okay, so you're but you're on the island of Montreal. Montreal is yes. uh, one of the hot zones in Canada. Right. I think the hot zone in Canada. Right. Well, I was talking. I was talking more about the neighborhood I live in, which is a a hot zone per number, not necessarily per number per hundred thousand. And also, um, we kind of live in a weird spot. So what it is is that basically uh, the majority of the neighborhood is located on one side of the highway, and we're on the other side of the highway, which is um, way smaller. The wrong side of the tracks. The right side of the tracks, actually. Oh, this yeah, time that's around. true. <laughs> In this case, it's good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do feel like this may uh, force certain people uh, to adopt a more Luddite lifestyle. I think so. Because I could see the spiraling, right? Like the idea of you needing a phone to have this on, right? Um, uh, let's say that you are actively fighting against the idea of being overtly tracked based on the core OS, right? Then you could leave your phone at home, right? But let's say a cop stops you and asks you where your phone is, aka where your tracker is, and you don't have it on you. Is it a fine? Is it jail time? Yeah. Because I could see a slip sliding kind of like um, uh, tra- trajectory towards that. I see what you mean. And already they're kind of tracking us, right? Uh, Google came out with a study showing uh, which... Uh, places in, in the world are following the social distancing norms uh, the best in terms of basically who's leaving their house, wh- how many people are going there, all that stuff. I guess we won that battle, right? Like Quebec's like the best in North America? For now. For now. Uh, even though, like you've said, you've seen people walking around in your neighborhood closer than two meters apart. Yes, unfortunately, it is a constant. I was also out last night to go do laundry because I figured it was the best time to do laundry. And um, so on the so the next building over, basically the one that we're attached to, uh, there's an A and W, which is a burger chain here, and uh, they're only doing uh, like the delivery app um, orders. Okay, but the fact is, there's still like eight people just milling about in front of my house, so <laughs> it's kind of hard to to sort of like a, a, a not a walk a straight line. But at least you know if you want a good burger. You can just look out the window and see if it's busy. And if it's not, you can go get one. No, I can't go get one. The stupid thing is I have to order from an app and then have a man walk over. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah. Like, no, this is delivery only, right? So I can't even like order a burger for myself. I have to get someone to deliver me a burger. Oh, and then by the time you get it, it's cold. Yes. Uh, we've ordered a couple of meals. And uh, by the way, PSA, like I've seen some people complain that uh, others aren't tipping in this pandemic. Like, don't be stingy. If you have enough money to order, you have no money to, to tip someone. Yeah, well, we've been doing actually with our grocery deliveries, which is the only thing we're getting delivered, apart from packages, which you would not normally tip, right? We've been leaving a little 
dish in the fr- in the front of the house and saying like we we left some coins that we literally washed and put in there and uh we're letting them know that look you can take it it's clean right so uh, yeah i i mean we've still been tipping although we do i don't know if you need to tip for grocery delivery because you get charged for the delivery so i'm not sure if that's part of no it's, it's usually not no okay so that's just something tipping. that uh, that corporate adds on Okay. Same thing with like a, uh, you know, if you order from like uh, Uber Eats or DoorDash, any of those, like they add in a, a delivery fee. And then on top of that, there's a tip, right? Okay. Well, we've been, we've been tipping as much as we can. Yeah. Weird times living in Angelo. So you haven't ordered any food at all. I mean, we have ordered groceries. I guess that is food, but no, in terms of prepared food from a delivery place, uh, we haven't, we try not to order that stuff because we want to save money. We don't order from places a lot normally. So we haven't been ordering now. Okay, yeah. We're doing it once a week as a treat to ourselves. So I think it's it's a good way to sort of like get through this when I'm busy making a lot of meals during the week. And now, and once you get that food, you dunk it in bleach first? Yes, absolutely. No, we okay. take all the precautions. We we open up the bag, we, you know, transport the food, wash our hands, et cetera, et cetera. Being alive is, is tiring. Being alive is a little tiring. I'm not gonna lie to you. And from what I understand from most experts, they're saying that that is not super necessary to do, uh, but I'm still doing it. Yeah, I think everyone is. I think it's just out of like the thing is, um, as this is an emerging virus, uh, the issue becomes like we're not sure the best courses of how to deal with it on a practical level are, right? Yeah, any Amazon package I've got, I've opened outside and then wiped down the whatever the package was inside. Great. Yeah, well, like Animal Crossing. I did that when I got Animal Crossing, yes. So are you um, are you playing Animal Crossing or is this just exclusively it's, like your The daughter? kids are mostly playing. I have my own little character in the game, but I haven't been playing right. as much as that. So you're stuck on your kid's island. Yes, that's the way Animal Crossing works, unfortunately, is the first person to create the island is actually the, like the head of the island. So anything uh, that wants to get, that has to get done on the island has to go through my daughter. <laughs> uh, that is quite the role reversal there. It's fine. It's fine. I, uh, she she keeps asking me to chop wood down for her and leave it in front of her house. <laughs> so I've been doing that. Cross generational togetherness here. Yeah, it's working. It's fine. It's a fun little game. I've always liked Animal Crossing. It's yeah. a nice, delightful. Uh, delightful is the right word for that game, actually. Let's close things off and uh, move on over to the paranormal section. How's that sound? Great. Perfect to see you there. What could space be? What could it be made of? What the heck is all those lights out there? Is it just a black curtain with holes in it? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Double density. Welcome back, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal, and uh, the first item on our docket for episode 135, Angelo, is something that you sent my way, uh, which is the uh, French term for UFO. Which is OVNI, Objet Vola, Non Identifié, which uh, is very fun to say. It is. OVNI is a fun, uh, it's more fun than UFO because you don't have to say out the letters. Yes. Uh, so you linked me to a video purportedly shot in uh, Montreal about uh, UFOs on the moon. Okay. So I looked at this thing and you know what it reminded me of? The video I love to bring up all the time where those UFOs are flying over Haiti that people were freaking out about. Yeah, the CG, the CG ones? Yeah. Yeah. And... Do you remember, and I think I'm referencing every single time, but Linda Moulton Howe was like so sold on those. Yes, I know. And she, she, that, that, that's a, a red flag right there. This looked fake to me. Like it's, he had it so zoomed in on the moon already and perfectly placed to find these things floating over the moon. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? 
I definitely feel like it's either CG or something else entirely that, uh, I don't know, it seemed a little too pat to, to just be shot in that way. I mean, I guess you can get a, a clear shot of the moon like that. You could, but then try to, uh, it seemed very zoomed in too. So I don't know how definition wise it was so clear. Yeah. I mean, he must have had a really good lens, but still, I don't know. I don't think it was real. Pretty cool. Fun to look at. But, and also when the things, objects went into the dark areas of the moon, you could still see them, which is kind of weird. And they had the shadow underneath. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was kind of odd. I don't think uh, it's real. I don't think it fooled many people or maybe it did. And maybe I'm the fool that thinks it's fake. <laughs> did you read the comments? Please tell me about the comments. Uh, There's I, so I read, many uh, yes, golden read, comments in there. Yeah, I read some of the comments. I don't know if you want to uh, discuss some of them here, but uh, they're... Not particularly. Uh, I mean, we can have people scroll through and just read them for themselves. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a link. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I definitely do err on the side of like, it's just, it seems a little too um, um, coincidental that it was like zoomed in. The uh, definition was uh, of a great quality for being that zoomed in. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at one uh, quick comment that says, oh, I don't know, maybe small comets orbiting a larger objects. Her, der, it's aliens. Also, the size of them suggests uh, a great mass. Yeah, also comets don't move like that. <laughs> Are you a comet chaser? It's no moon. Uh, no, I don't know what that means. Is that derogatory somehow? No, no, no. It's just a term I just came up with. I don't chase comments. As you know, Angelo, sometimes I like to punish myself. Yeah. You sent me a text message yesterday and, uh, I felt bad for you. I decided to watch the recently released Stephen Greer documentary, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, Contact Has Begun, Angelo. And it was quite a ride, let me tell you what. Uh, before I forget, though, let's talk about the uh, scale, right? The Close Encounters scale? Yes, we've brought this up many times. And before, yes. though, we go on, I want everybody to understand, Brian watched this. You did not. I did not watch it. I no. watched the trailer that you asked me to uh, take a look at before. A very dramatic trailer. It was indeed, and the movie, oh gosh, there's so much to say about this. But yes, before I forget to do that, let us uh, quickly talk about the scale, right? So one through three, Jalen Hynek, we all know that, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's a UFO encounter where there's like a, a, an entity present. The fourth kind is an abduction. The fifth kind is the one that Stephen Greer himself coined, and it is all about um, the direct communication between aliens and humans. Now, uh, the term direct communication to me is a little bit vague in this context, and I'm going to explain why um, as we uh, discuss the movie. Stephen Greer, we've brought him up, what, like 10 times? Probably, yeah. Um, um, and it's hard to get around not bringing him up because he's he's very prominent in the world of UFOs. And disclosure, obviously, he, he seems to be taking the charge in disclosure. Uh, but he's never disclosed much. No, and that's, uh, once again, uh, on display here in this documentary, right? Um, so the silver lining of it all, I do think, is the music supervision. There was a great track um, for the uh, credit sequence at the beginning. And then at one point, <laughs> they also had um, Bag Raiders Shooting Star Song, which uh, you may not know by name, but if you heard it, you might recognize it, um, playing over a montage of um, purported um, CE5 events. The first half of the movie talks about like disinfo, and uh, basically the deep state uh, is uh, sort of uh, massaging the public 
public into believing that we're going to enter intergalactic war with uh, whatever alien species uh, pops up. Um, and then they discuss the fact that uh, members of the deep state have been acting in such a way as to uh, prepare for an inevitable um, showdown between aliens and humans, uh, which is sure fine. He also throws some shade at uh, to the stars, suggesting that they are plants. Everybody knows that. Well, I, I mean, like from one plant, one purported plant to another, right? Every side is going to blame the other side for something. Yeah. So the idea behind a lot of this too is that so he created these. <laughs> can't believe I'm about to say this. He created um, something called the CE5 protocols, um, which is a way uh, for humans to directly contact aliens, bypassing the deep state. And and basically, it comes down to flashlights. Uh, partially flashlights, but also meditation was a big, and we're going to get that uh, into that later because that's sort of like the third act. Yeah, watching the the trailer, there was a lot of uh, images of him meditating. There's a lot of images in general. Like, there's like an interview with Richard Doty. There's a whole section, uh, there's a montage of uh, um, uh, Hollywood movies where uh, like aliens are the bad guys, right? How does that all tie in to this documentary? So the idea is that he sets up the enemy at the beginning, right? So the enemy is the deep state who doesn't want the human race to uh, actively understand that there are uh, aliens visiting here, right? Um, and also he uses a lot of the, the December 2017 New York Times coverage um, to sort of like point to the fact that like uh, um, due to the release of his last movie, Unacknowledged, uh, the government has rushed out to sort of like put up a paper trail about uh, protocols and things like that, um, but more of like a warlike stance. I watched Unacknowledged, and uh, it didn't convince me of anything, but it was on Netflix, and I figured I'd give it a try because it would make you proud of me. Did we ever discuss it on the show? I think we may have been passing. Yeah. The thing with him using the term deep state, that's a relatively new term, and he never used it before, but now all of a sudden, because it's popular and being used, uh, everybody knows what the deep state is, he might as well blame it on them. Right. And so that's what he does, right? So the first part of the movie is he sets up the boogeyman of the the vengeful alien who will come to Earth and destroy us, um, and then uh, playing up the alien threat to the public, right? So that way the public uh, is of the mindset that aliens are bad. Um, it's and literally, and he says this over and over. He sets them up as like a boogeyman. And he in the trailer he says he's gone back as far as Clinton in terms of presidents that have been dealing with this. Yeah, so he basically uh, started dealing with uh, government officials in various capacities um, in the mid-90s. Like, he was an ER doctor, and then he moved away from that into into Bodybuilding? sphere. Yes, and also, like, having extremely long arms and things like that. Yeah, he's jacked. Yeah, he is, yeah. We brought that up. And he appears shirtless a couple of times in the trailer. I don't know how much shirtless uh, There's not that much shirtlessness, oh, actually, okay. in the movie itself, yeah. Okay. There's also like this weird part of the movie where he, um, so people around him have died for various reasons and also unfortunately have like um, committed suicide. Um, and then he starts crying. And they kept it. Yes, because he, he talks about his fallen comrades and then like starts crying about how he has survivor's guilt in this like imagined war against the deep state, I guess. Nothing he said has ever really come to fruition. And so that is the my, one of the bigger problems with this documentary, and I'm using the documentary, I guess, loosely, right, is that he states opinion as fact a lot of the time, right? So it moves from the um, this idea that the deep state and the governments of the world are setting up the notion that there is an evil alien threat and that, like, if aliens were to appear, we'd go to war with them, right? And then he sets up the the notion that, well, you know, they're probably benevolent, bene, benevolent beings who, like, are well-intentioned, and uh, we're going to use ESP to talk to them. Yes. So you mentioned to me that there's a whole quantum connection aspect to this documentary. And in most cases with these types of documentaries, 
they have no idea what they're talking about and they just use the word quantum as some sort of bugaboo to be able to get things out there yes. and make people think there's science involved. Yeah. I'd asked you actually if they brought up noetic science, which yes. is basically you're sticking science at the end of some made up word. Yeah, so Dr. Edgar Mitchell's Institute of Noetic Sciences is mentioned in there, and uh, they talk about some of the research that they've done. And then the weird thing is they did, and I think they mentioned that this is an unpublished um, um, study, but they talked about placing plants in different corners of the room and then having one light bulb um, in the middle and then uh, running random number generation. But it seemed like the numbers were guiding the light towards the plants more often than not. Yeah, that's there's no bias involved there. No. Also, uh, remote viewing is a thing that has existed for decades. It has made a lot of people money. Um, Dr. Russell Targ's in there talking about that. Um, yeah, it's very, it was very inconclusive stuff, right? But once again, they're presenting opinion as fact, right? And the idea of absolute truth, um, you know, sort of carries them forward throughout the entirety of this documentary, right? Because they keep cutting back because, once again, Dr. Stephen Greer is the main talking head in this movie. And while he has supporting characters like, you know, like Dr. Russell Targ um, and like our our friend Richard Doty, uh, he is kind of like the anchor of everything. In the trailer, it looks like he's being interviewed in uh, the Cerebro Chamber from X-Men. It very much looks like that, yes. Is he? <laughs> no, no, sadly not. Is that a green screen probably? No, actually, it did look like some kind of, of space that they rented. Okay, it was really weird. It, it definitely was. They also, um, this was narrated by uh, Jeremy Piven. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. How did they get him? What do you mean? What is he doing right now? I guess. It's funny, because wasn't the wasn't Unacknowledged narrated by uh, Mickey Rourke? No, that was the Jeremy Corbell, right? Oh, yeah, that was Jeremy Corbell. Okay, yes. Anyway, it's weird getting these sort of uh, third-tier actors uh, that have had some success narrate these things it's i mean they're just in it to get a quick buck i don't think jeremy piven actually believes anything uh greer is doing but then again sean cusack thinks 5g is going to kill us all so yes uh his twitter uh um presence is very unhinged at this point i think uh relatively speaking just in terms of like the way in which he constructs sentences yeah anyway uh back to greer though one thing i noticed in the trailer was some interesting shots of ufos was there any actual footage in there that seemed convincing to you or was it all more just blobs of light in the sky? So it was a lot of blobs of light in the sky and it was a lot of like light trails that you can easily do by just slightly moving your camera. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so there's a lot of that there and they claim it's like um, experience, right? So let me just quickly move through the rest of this. So um, we can develop ESP-like sensibilities and that is how we plan on communicating with um, these alien beings, right? But then... um, uh, what you need to do in order to channel them properly um, is is deep guided meditation. So before I forget, like meditation does serve a purpose. It helps calm the mind. It can help you connect with the universe, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's fine. I actually, I, I tend to believe a little bit more of that than not. But um, to the extent of uh, these, this is how we're quote unquote directly communicating with aliens through like, uh, and calling it a CE5 event bothers me greatly because what is the direct communication here? Like what they claim that they can move aliens with their minds and say, could you move this flying saucer to the left or right? Yeah, look, I, I do yoga almost every morning to to help ground myself and help make myself feel better and all that. And it, it just mindful thinking does help at least calm you down at the very least. Uh, but I don't think it has any sort of actual effect on the world around you. And I don't, I, I mean, like there is some interesting studies based on that. 
um, that kind of points to the fact that maybe there is the possibility of um, uh, being connected in different ways, but not to this extent at all. Yeah, no, it helps you. It helps. It helps calm you down in a way that will allow you to interact with everything around you in a better way. But I can't make a plant look at me. No, you definitely cannot do that. Well, that would be kind of interesting to try. So he also claims that uh, humans used to know how to meditate um, uh, to such a degree that they were able to uh, teleport, uh, de- and rematerialize. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things, right, that we as a human species have lost that ability and are slowly getting it back. And when he says things like that, he loses complete credibility. Uh, yeah, and then also like all of these shots of his like different groups that he takes out into the desert to go take a look at uh, Lights in the Sky. Yeah, and he basically is stealing their money because he's out there with flashlights. So there's even this incredible story um, at the the end of the movie where someone who had um, hearing issues uh, then was like telepathically communicating with one of these um, um, spaceships that he had seen and was cured of his deafness. We need to get him together with the Australian uh, Skies guy. Yes, yes. Uh, so of course, at the end of the movie, there is a plug for the CE5 event app, which is available for 10 bucks US on uh, all of the major app platforms. Downloading it right now. So this is my main critique of the movie, I think, right? So the first half sets up this boogeyman, right, of the idea of the deep state, quote unquote, um, calling, you know, aliens a threat automatically, right? And kind of like seeping into that warlike mindedness and things like that. And then the second half shows how they're benevolent beings who, uh, you know, blink in tandem and like will do things for us. Um, and then uh, at the end, we'll charge money for, for all these things, right? So I, a classic case of grifting, right? So why... If you believe this to be such a threat, aren't you giving this information out for free? Because he wants to make some money? Well, obviously, <laughs> yes. That's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm getting to, right? I so figured I, it all out, Brian. I do think the production values in the, the documentary were quite good. But I do feel like, yeah, once again, like there's not a lot of substance there. Like if he is communicating with these aliens, what are they saying to him, right? Uh, can you, um, and also like there's this weird lab at one point where he shows a light that changes color based on what you're thinking of. And you're right. If if he has some sort of insight on this, and this, these aliens are going to come to get us, he he would be doing the human race a disservice if he didn't provide this information right away. Well, that's the, the whole government. thing. He doesn't think they're coming to get us. He thinks that they're here to study us, right? And he also discusses, like I was saying, the deaf guy. Um, um, they call that the, like the master healer alien. So I feel like there's like a, a nice intersection in between like um, suspect like new agey practices and uh, ufology right here, right? It's very all new agey. Uh, has he gone to open some vortexes, vortices, vortices? Whatever. No, not yet. No, uh, not yet. He also casually drops that in Tombstone, Arizona, there's uh, there is a secret facility with like nine alien bodies in there that are just buried, and uh, he believes it because uh, someone he works with or for told him that. Does that person's uncle work for Nintendo and know that there's going to be Super Mario Three coming out soon? I don't know, but like it just there's a lot of that where it's like a, a lot of like once again opinion and conjecture based um, around a lot of these like different tales like are you know served to you on a platter as fact, right? And the bigger issue to me, I think, with a lot of this is that it is a very well produced and slick documentary, right? So it's not like these like weird YouTube documentaries that like are screen grabs or whatever. These are like very well produced. There's like good musical tracks, like I was saying, like the silver lining is the the sound, the music supervision. Um, there's great shots in there. Uh, at one point, he is on the Impulsive podcast, which is Logan Paul's podcast, talking about these things. Oh, wow. Wow. Logan Paul is in this thing. I want to see this. Uh, And also, he also directly references Jeremy Corso's Day After Roswell at one point. Isn't that fake also? I I mean, at the very least, yes. Like a lot of that book. And I'm staring at it right now because I own it. Uh, But a lot of it is uh, is very suspect too. And that's the thing is like, this is uh, once again, like a documentary is very thin on facts, thin on, you know, and the reason I brought up the light before um, that um, changes based on what you color you were thinking of is demonstrably, scientifically, 
he could go in there, write down a color on a piece of paper, right? And then just try to replicate it. Do you think he believes what he's saying or is he just trying to make money? I'm always on the fence about that and we discuss this constantly and I do think that there is a degree to which he believes some of this because he also in the documentary relates how he's had a lifetime of um, um, UFO experiences. Okay. So he is a, a true deep down believer in all this and he, I guess he's sincere in what he's trying to do in some way but then I always feel like he's a huckster. Yeah, I mean, like you gotta keep the money coming in, right? So uh, that's why you're charging for meditation CDs. That's why your your app costs ten bucks. That's why it costs hundreds of dollars to go into the desert with him. Yeah, because you get to meet him. Uh, does he give you uh, good workout tips? No, unfortunately. Also, one of the my favorite things is that he uh, it wasn't him, but it was either him or someone else. I can't remember at this point because all the talking heads are jumbled in my brain. But uh, they discussed the. F- <laughs> the fact that like if Joe Biden were to win the election in 2020, he would keep uh, things going business as usual style in terms of like disclosure, in terms of like, uh, you know, letting the security community continue as is versus Bernie Sanders who would probably like um, uh, dismantle that apparatus. Does he mention the current U.S. president? He does. He talks about Space Force, which is obviously militaristic in nature, right? So it's he's very weary of that. Mm. Yeah, we don't want to aggravate the aliens. No. And, uh, I mean, the thing is like, you and I discussed like, what are these aliens, right? And, um, I do feel like there are some interesting things. Like the only thing that I agreed with, with Stephen Greer is that we're a very, uh, relatively like a, a primitive society in terms of the way in which we handle, um, disputes and discussions through violent measures. Right. So that is the only kind of bit that I, he was saying that I was agreeing with in terms of like, um, uh, planet white, like, um, uh, appearance. With that said that you've kind of agreed with him on just like one tiny thing. Would you ever recommend watching this documentary no i would recommend reading the clips notes i think i think it's just as easy to do that than to watch the documentary and give him money right because continuing his efforts i think aren't um necessarily like a uh the best case scenario because once again like uh, he has kind of painted a picture where it's kind of impossible to prove results yeah there's uh, he none of his actual data or information is falsifiable which automatically makes it garbage I mean, how do you quantifiably prove ESP? Like no, between you, you and an alien being, right? Every time we've tried to prove it, it's not worked. And then the excuse is always that I can't do it in this situation. Yes, which is uh, an off-repeated claim, right? And it's garbage. I think we've talked about this before, Angela, but did you know there's a Montreal SETI team? C-SETI team? You briefly mentioned it. Okay. Uh, maybe we should join it for the podcast. We could join it on the podcast. Um, the last update, though, was from 2016. So. Okay, so uh, no. So ultimately, uh, this movie is a pass. Yeah, I would say definitely a great big pass on this. Great big pass on everything that Stephen Greer has to to put out there. I don't think that like... I was almost tempted to buy the $14 app to see what it's really like, but uh, I can just find meditation tutorials on YouTube. So why would I do that? Angela, this has been a mess. This has been a real mess. Well, it's, uh, I don't say it's a mess. I'll edit, I'll edit it all well together. Oh, no, I meant more the idea of uh, using flashlights to go talk to aliens. Oh, yeah, that's a total mess. Yes. By the way, there are no drugs, alcohol, firearms, or weapons allowed at CE5 events that Steam Maker is running. Just flashlights. Yes. Uh, I feel like this is a great place to close episode 135 of the Double Density Podcast. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go meditate. Where can people find us, Angelo? On the internet. You're going to make me do this. Okay. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> on Twitter, double underscore density over on Instagram, where I'm posting more double density podcasts. You can also head over to double density.net to see our pasty white faces, which will continue to be pasty, I think, um, in the near future. And also uh, find out where you can uh, subscribe to us on all of the major and minor podcast platforms. Angelo, with that, I will uh, see you next episode as we take the time to breathe in and make a connection. Namaste. Namaste.